Today, we are sitting down with Dr. Judy Ho, who is a PhD in clinical psychology. I met her last year when I was a guest on The Doctors, and she has a private practice as well as um, a couple of cool shows. She is on The Doctors as the psychologist. They have different specialists, right? So you're the psychology specialist, and then they have the... um, uh, we have plastic surgeon. Plastic surgeon. Yes. ER doc. ER doc. We have an OBGYN. Yes. And there's also a dermatologist. Yes. And sometimes they'll have, you know, I mean, they always rotate through other specialties and a lot of guests will come on. But um, I'm so glad you called me, Alexis, because I felt like we had like an immediate connection when yes. I met you on the show. And you're just doing so much for people, like Aww. helping them to not isolate and know that they have a community and a sounding board and a place to learn. And I'm always just really impressed by your experience and you're so educated and so well-spoken. I think you're just a wonderful advocate for people in recovery. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And speaking about community, that's why we're doing this show today. We are going to start doing a call-in show, you guys, where you guys can call because I want to build more of a connection. I feel like oftentimes people are listening to podcasts or they are following certain Instagram accounts and all of that is really great. But I really do believe that the opposite of trauma and the way that we heal trauma is through community, is through the Mm -hmm. connections that we have with ourselves and with other people. And so listening to podcasts is great for bettering that that self-love, that connection that you have with yourself. But having a place where you can call in and get your questions answered is so important and really valuable. And so I wanted to be able to provide you guys with this opportunity. We're going to make this probably a monthly thing. Um, I'm looking at my producer right now. I'm like, we're doing this monthly Um, because (laughs) I really feel like it is just so valuable. So today we're going to do a call-in show. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys and to um, hopefully getting your questions answered. Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering From Reality. Your new book, Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Steps to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Way, looks incredible. I definitely want to dive into this more and talk about what those six steps look like. Um, Brief overview, obviously, because we want people to go buy the book. When is this book available? It's available on August 20th, so just a couple of short weeks, and you can pre-order it now on my website at drjudyho.com. Cool. I'm so excited to read this. Thank you so much. Oh, we have a caller. Hello? Hi. Hi. What is your name? This is Alexis, and you're sitting down, or you're talking to Alexis and um, my friend, Dr. Judy Ho. What is your name? Hi. My name's Kat. Hi. Nice to meet you, Kat. Do you have a question for Dr. Judy? Yeah, I just wanted to get some, I guess, advice or feedback when trying to come off of antidepressants. Mm. Good question. Obviously not cold turkey, but... Right. Well, what type of uh, antidepressant are you on right now, may I ask? I have been on Zoloft for three years. Um, I had really bad postpartum depression with my son, Um in the beginning, I was taking the max um, dose and I have weaned down to 25 milligrams, but I'm just kind of 
you know, over it. It's not, you know, having to take a pill every day. It's just that I just don't want to take it anymore. So let me ask you why you feel like you don't want to take it anymore. Is it just that you don't want to be on a medication or is it that maybe you think you're starting to feel better or you've learned some more coping skills and you want to see if you can do without the medication? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of the above. Um, I work in the addiction mental health field. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, I know it's a, it's a little ironic, right? Um, well, no, but it's, I, so, it's not. Yeah. There's so that's the thing is like mental health and especially postpartum depression absolutely does not discriminate. You know, everybody goes through it. And I just shared openly about my experience. I just completed six weeks of transcranial magnetic stimulation um, to cure my wow. depression. So Good this is you. definitely something that. Um, you know, depression, especially if it's just, you know, like the postpartum depression, there's so much involved hormones, um, the amount of help that you're receiving, what your birth was like, did it, was it a traumatic experience? Was it not? And then hopefully, you know, when you're on antidepressants, you're also doing therapy, but you can absolutely come to a place where you really feel like you're ready to get off of antidepressants. Um, it's definitely like a case by case situation, And I don't want you to have or feel any shame around needing that for the time period that you have. Yeah, I'm really glad that you said that, Alexis. Yeah, so Kat, definitely don't say it's ironic because again, I think really there's a lot of people who who do deal with that and um, you're not alone for sure. So is that part of also the whole, yeah. So is that part of the holdup, you know, too in your head? Like, oh, I just don't, you maybe somehow you feel like somehow you're not a good model or something because you work in the industry and you don't want to talk about this with people. Right. I think that's um, a big part of this. Um, I'm, I'm just sick of taking it honestly. And mm-hmm. I, you know, my son's going to be four mm-hmm. soon and I had a C-section by choice, which was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that has a lot to do with the reason why I even got diagnosed with postpartum depression. Um, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Well, it sounds like you sick of taking it every day, you know? Um, well, it definitely sounds like you have a lot of feelings about this. And first of all, you have titrated down successfully into a much lower dose, which is awesome. But I definitely want you to sort of like dig a little deeper here and think about why it is that you don't want to take it. Because if you feel like it has been helpful for you, then you definitely want to have another plan in place to deal with the symptoms. Because when you take the medication, it's really helping to possibly, for example, correct some of your brain chemistry. And then without that medication, some of these symptoms can be flooding back. And it's not that you'd have to take medication forever. Oftentimes people will have just a duration of time where they're on a med and they get off of it. But the important thing is that you have something else in place. So whether that's coping skills and strategies, or perhaps you want to do something non-medicational, you know, I can't wait to hear Alexis's experience with TMS, you know, if that helped with, you know, with her symptoms, but you want to make sure that you have something else in place so that if you start to be symptomatic again, you know how to address it. And so I I don't want you to just say, 
let's not take the medication anymore because I feel sick of it. I think that's totally an okay goal to have, but you want to make sure that other things are in place before you start to titrate down on the medication and then see how you're doing with your symptoms then. Since you've cut down on your dose, how are you feeling? Um, Well, this has been a process for the last, you know, given three and a half years. I'm overwhelmed. Um, My son has autism. He's Mm -hmm. high functioning. So that is, you know, really stressful to deal with. Um, I am also in recovery and a few days I'll have five years from clean from um, heroin. And I'm also working in treatment and going to school full time. Um, so I'm just stressed. Yeah, <laughs> mama, I totally I'm, hear yeah. that. I hear that. And I <laughs> I'm just I I my hat is off to you and um oh, you know, you. self-care is absolutely essential. Um you know, the first thing that I would work through is the feelings of shame that you're having around the need to take medication or the fact that you ever had mm-hmm. to take medication and even your birth. Um I am a huge fan of Brené Brown she talks a lot about shame you can ted talk like a gazillion of her talks on shame and the ways that shame can really cripple you in so many different areas of your life and so before getting off the medication what i would encourage you to do is to look at the reason why you're feeling um feelings of shame around these different areas and to start the healing journey um, around those yeah. things. And then yeah. after you, cause you know, the, the, you're in recovery. There is no band-aid mm-hmm. solution, right? There is no band-aid mm-hmm. solution. Even mm-hmm. if you're on meds, I always encourage people to heal mind, body, and spirit. You've got to take care of all of those different aspects of yourself. And medication can be a helpful tool in that body part of it, especially if you aren't making enough serotonin, you know, and Mm -hmm. and that the brain is not regulating the way that it needs to be. Um, But that's kind of what I would encourage for you to do right now. And, um, you know, like I said, I am so impressed and and keep keep at it because you're you're oh, thank you you're doing amazing things i mean getting clean off heroin is certainly not easy and you know i just no. <laughs> you're doing an amazing job yeah i really agree with alexis thank Kat. you guys so much yeah I appreciate that. definitely no i really agree with alexis that obviously the shame is sort of catching up with you and you know mm-hmm. it would be a different thing if you were completely not symptomatic anymore. And maybe you didn't have a lot of stress in your life. And you're saying, you know what, maybe this is the time to try going off the meds based on what you're telling us and all the things that are going on. I think that you need to make sure that you spend more time investing in yourself and taking care of yourself. And maybe it's that you use meds a little bit longer to help with your symptoms. And also you build up these other resiliency skills. And you need to do that before visiting this medication titration issue. Did that right. answer your question, Kat? Do you feel good about that? I know. I feel really good about okay. that. Great. That actually kind of is just like a, a like it's just like kind of like a god shot because oh. I've been considering you know therapy for a while, and I think I heard a lot that I needed to hear in order for me, you know, to heal and you know start the journey. Um, 
you know, without, you know, having to take my medication eventually, if that's what's, you know, going to be best for me. And I just want to say thank you guys. And I really, really appreciate everything. Thank you, Kat. Thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Yes. Wow. I mean, I... What a good question. Yeah. yeah. And those feelings about shame, I so relate to that. Carrying that around is absolutely debilitating and you know, there are times where you can get off of meds, but like you said, doing it in a time period when your life is really high stress is, that is not the time. (laughs) No, it's not. But I'm so glad that you brought up the shame right away Mm -hmm. because it's so crazy. I mean, the problem with shame is that people don't talk about it because they're ashamed. And then everybody's feeling these feelings and not talking about it and not realizing there are other people who feel the same way. Absolutely. Um, While we're waiting for, you have another caller, Jess? Okay, go ahead. Hi, how are you? Hi, what's your name? Jessica. Hi, Jessica. You're on with me, Alexis, and Dr. Judy Ho. What is your question? Awesome. Well, before I ask, I just wanted to say, Alexis, thank you so much for bringing awareness um, just to like mental health in general and how it can take uh, place over so many different forms, whether it's like addiction or um, like mental health issues or disorders so kudos to you for acknowledging that uh it does come in an array of different type of coping mechanisms and i say coping mechanisms with air quotes yes thank you so much i really appreciate that that you know your guys's words of of um you know affirmation and positivity help me to keep going even when it's really hard for me too so i appreciate that um did you have a question for dr judy Yeah, so um, I kind of wanted two different perspectives. So uh, the perspective I wanted from Dr. Judy was obviously the professional perspective. And then, Alexis, I would appreciate your perspective as well, just from like almost like a patient perspective or somebody who has gone through um, a lot of time investing in uh, improving yourself. So my question is, I'm going through a journey of improving my mental health. I'm seeing a psychologist, journaling, doing yoga, blah, blah, blah. And part of the obstacle that I find myself facing is that consciously I feel like, okay, I'm over it. I don't want to deal with this anymore of like some of the obstacles that I've gone through, but subconsciously my habits are still reoccurring Mm. and I'm getting very emotionally and mentally frustrated with it. So my question is, how do I overcome that mental and emotional obstacle or like verge of being like emotionally and mentally burnt out from putting so much energy into making myself feel better. Okay, that makes so much sense. And you're definitely not alone. I mean, sometimes when you're so seeped in self-improvement, you're like, oh my God, like when's this going to stop? Just like when, you know, we always talk about gratitude, like that is important. But sometimes if you have gratitude exercises shoved down your throat, you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't do another gratitude exercise. So I definitely understand what you're saying. And I also think what you said too was important, which is that sometimes you still see the old patterns coming up and then you get frustrated like, oh, I've worked on my self-improvement for so long. Why are these patterns still coming up? And then that might also deter you. So I think two things, you know, one is 
The patterns may still come up, but the idea is that once you've worked on self-improvement, then you know how to tackle it. Like you can identify it and you can apply the right strategy and get yourself back on track. But don't be upset if the patterns come up because sometimes they are really deep rooted. If there's trauma involved, if it's been chronic, then it doesn't mean necessarily that your whole personality constellation and the issues that bother you will just completely go away from self-improvement. But it's just that when they come up, you can identify right away and apply the right coping strategy in the moment. So that is the sign of progress. And don't expect that those things will just never come up again. And I think the second thing is sometimes when we're doing something so much, it really does feel like you're burnt out and it's okay to be burnt out. And it's also okay to take a break. And perhaps it's because you're labeling everything as self-improvement and maybe you just need to have a different perspective on it. So if you actually enjoy yoga, why do we have to call it self-improvement? It's just something that you like doing. It can be called a hobby. It can be called any kind of thing. And if you sometimes need a little bit of a therapy break, you can also take that. You're allowed to say, you know I've what? I've done that a lot. Right? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll come back. I'll call you when I'm ready to call you. Mm-hmm. Like, be be okay with saying that to your therapist when they say, hey, when do you want to get together again? Should we look at next week? Actually, no. I'll call you when I'm ready for another yeah. session. And I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I say this and I feel like I say this in every episode. I'm like a broken record. Recovery from any sort of trauma and just from life um, is certainly not a linear experience. I've had high highs and low lows. I've had moments where I've been really frustrated, where I felt like I should be farther. I've had moments where I've completely burnt myself out. Um, you know, I really agree with Dr. Judy about taking a break. For me, therapy was great. And I, and I did this for, um, Sorry, we're getting another call just on my phone. Okay, looks like they took care of it. Okay, are you still there, Jessica? Yeah. Okay, great. So um, I've al- I've often felt really burnt out, and what my um, what my thoughts are, especially in this last two years of my sobriety. So I did therapy pretty much for six years straight, which is. A long time of doing, yes. Group therapy, individual, all of that stuff. That's like a whole Um, doctorate. I I, I, I might as well gone to school. I could have gone and gotten my PhD, (laughs) exactly. Um, And so what I'll say is this. Therapy is great for, I think of it as like, you're at the end of a trip and you shove all of your stuff back in bags and it's just a disheveled mess. And then you come home and you wash everything and you reorganize it and you put it back in the right category in the right drawer. Therapy is amazing for that. But then at the same time, we have to go out and live our lives. And so, you know, our brains are also reprogramming, right? So you you'll have moments where things come up and you'll go, oh, which drawer is that top in? And sometimes you have to look through several drawers to find that. And so we get frustrated with ourselves because we can't remember or we didn't do the right thing or whatever it might be. The best piece of advice that I would have for you is acceptance and grace. Like accept where you're at right now. I'm feeling really burnt out. It feels overwhelming. I am feeling like I need to be farther than where I'm at. But And then the other part of that is grace of just Mm -hmm. like, and it's okay. It's okay that I'm feeling sad today. It's okay that I'm feeling frustrated. I think we live in a society that constantly shoves down our throat that we need to be happy. I really believe that so many people are on antidepressants because they believe they need to be happy 24 seven and that we're not allowed to have stages in our life where we experience grief and pain and and, um, healing after traumas and things like that. And so I'm, I'm really proud of you for, um, 
you know, being in therapy and for doing all of this work. And I love what Dr. Judy said. And that's a real gem of like, instead of labeling yoga or getting your nails done or whatever it might be that makes you feel good as self-improvement, just think of it as something that you love to do. And hey, and if you're not loving it, then don't do it. If you're not right. loving yoga, oh my gosh. stop the yoga. Quick break from today's podcast episode to talk to you guys about taking care of our mental health. You know that I'm a huge champion for mental health care, and I really believe that it is as important as taking care of our physical health. Did you know that one in five college students suffers from mental health issues? It's no surprise here. I mean, the added stress in our lives of going to school, getting good grades, writing that term paper, doing our thesis, all of these things are really challenging. Cue Talkspace. Talkspace is amazing because you can access a therapist from your phone. No longer do you have to go and schlep your way into a shrink's office, sit for an hour, and then schlep your way all the way back. Their therapists are always in reach, in between classes, late night study sessions, or before a big exam. That is huge, you guys. The benefit to this, it will absolutely change your life. Right now, if you go to Talkspace.com forward slash student and enter the code Alexis25 at checkout, you will get a week of therapy for free. That's literally saving hundreds of dollars, you guys. I highly suggest you take me up on this offer. Again, if you go to Talkspace.com forward slash student and enter Alexis25 at checkout, you will be taking charge of your mental health and seeing an awesome therapist. So head on over there. And now back to the episode. Because I don't and I don't do yoga. Yeah. I do other things. <laughs> and, and Jessica, I think, you know, just to really, you know, kind of just make the point very clear what Alexis brought up was so good about how we're always just trying to have that hedonic happiness, that mm -hmm. whole absence of negative emotion. It's not your fault. I mean, it's what our culture is teaching yes. us and what our culture is inundating us with. But as Alexis already pointed out, anything that's meaningful in life, you're going to have struggles. Yes. You're going to have grief, frustration, anger, pain, anything that's even worth doing, yeah. having children, starting a new job, moving to a new place for new opportunities it's not all going to be happy butterflies and sunshine. You're going to struggle. Yes. And so it's not a bad thing to struggle. I don't, I hope that we can start learning that that's not a bad thing. It might mm -hmm. not actually mean that you're on pursuit of something really cool and important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Did you feel like we got your question, Jessica? Yes. Thank you so Aww. much. I really appreciate it. Yes. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for calling in. So an, a follower on Instagram as you know, I put out an ask me anything and, um, they had said, do you believe someone in recovery is considered sober if they're using marijuana? It's <laughs> such a good question. It is. Oh, I love it. Um, I personally, based on my clinical experience and what I know from research, do not consider that to be sober, but I also think that sometimes there are exceptions and I don't want to like label somebody as not being sober. If for example, they have a chronic pain issue and their doctor actually prescribed them with this and the doctor actually knows all of their history, knows that they've been in recovery, knows that they're like still working on that and still say, this is sort of still the best way to manage your issue. Yeah. So I'm going to leave the door open for that. Although I would say that the majority of people who are using marijuana are doing yeah. so sort of on their own choice and basically saying, but at least I'm not using heroin anymore or cocaine. And this makes me sober. I think the the question is always, um, 
that I have, and I love um, Dr. Gabor Mate, and he says, it's not why all the addiction, it's why all the pain. So are you trying to check out with this? If you're Mm -hmm. trying to check out with this, then yeah, you're getting high in order to not deal with your emotional pain, and I would really encourage you to take a deeper look into that. And I absolutely agree with what you said, and obviously using marijuana is a better alternative than shooting up heroin hands down but the chances are if you're using that marijuana to deal with emotional pain eventually you'll be back on the heroin i mean that's just the reality in the way that our brains work and so that might be hard to hear um but it is the truth now for the average person who like maybe doesn't have a history of addiction um i have no problem with marijuana use i actually prefer it over alcohol use because i feel like with marijuana you're not you don't have the chance of like blacking out um you know there's less uh, especially what i've seen um and know with my relationship to alcohol is that um alcohol can really turn you into an ugly person really fast i don't know why that is and i'm actually curious to know if you know the answer if that's maybe some underlying um mental health issue but for instance my father if he gets drunk there's two sides he's either a weepy mess or he is an, a very aggressive a-hole wow <laughs> and so yeah. it's like the polar and i see that for a lot of people my husband actually was like that where he would get like all of his suppressed rage just comes right to the surface mm-hmm. but when he used to smoke marijuana it brought everything down and he was totally fine and everything mm-hmm. was okay and so um, you know, if you're just like an average person and you're occasionally using marijuana, I have absolutely no problem with that. Just like I would have no problem with you occasionally having a martini. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, you bring up some really good points and I'm glad that we're sort of talking about this because again, it's so such a good question and a common question. And I think what you said about alcohol is interesting because what alcohol does is it is a response inhibitor. So it disinhibits you. Mm-hmm. And so if you do have, you were saying, you know, these underlying things that haven't been addressed, when you drink alcohol, all of that's going to come up. And that's why sometimes people really are happy drunks because, yeah. you know, like they're kind of happy people to begin with. And when they get drunk, they're just like a little happier and a little friendlier. Yeah. And then there are some people who who drinking was their escape, but because of the mechanisms of alcohol, they're disinhibited. So like all the anger that they're like, I'm going to control it. I'm not going to let it express itself. But when they drink, it all comes out. Yes, that is such a good point. And and it's important for people to know that, you know, that that you can have um, different reactions. The next question someone had um, was, can you tell me about benzo withdrawal? Mm. (laughs) oh my god it's one of the worst ones that you can experience it would be alcohol heroin or opiates and benzos oh yeah i mean people just really struggle with some of the withdrawal Mm -hmm. effects i mean basically i think a a good rule of thumb to understand what withdrawal symptoms could be is that it's the opposite effect of when you're intoxicated with Mm -hmm. it or when you're enjoying yourself on the particular drug so you know people who come off of benzo withdrawal i mean they almost always need some kind of medical intervention just you know some Mm -hmm. kind of stabilizing factor because it's really stressful and actually it's high stress you have all of these physical symptoms that are hard to control sweating i mean all different kinds of things can happen and depending on who you are how much you've used what other systems yeah uh, substances are in your system it can really change how that looks yeah it depends so if you're on four milligrams of xanax a day versus uh, 0.5 milligrams of xanax a day you're gonna have a much more difficult time withdrawing off of a higher dose if you're on two milligrams of 
um, Valium versus 10 milligrams of Valium. Again, it all depends on the dose. It depends on how long you've been on it. Mm-hmm. I've personally had experience with this. I mean, Xanax was one of my favorite drugs of choice. Um, and then just recently when I did TMS, the doctor actually put me on a very low dose because your anxiety can get worse throughout treatment. And my anxiety was at a point before I started my TMS treatment that um, I was not able to parent. It was mm-hmm. that debilitating. So he put me on a the two milligrams of Valium throughout my treatment. And all I did was a, was a taper. And I had zero effects, you guys. I took it as prescribed once per night. Um, and then he had me, you know, take half a dose and then half of that. And then by the end of it, I was done. So, um, you know, I've kicked the stuff cold Turkey and it was absolutely brutal. And I, it is an absolute nightmare. And, um, I did opiates at the same time, obviously, because that was my favorite drug of choice was that combination of downers, which is very dangerous, you guys. And, you know, we should have a whole, just in order to save people's lives, I feel like we need to have a whole, like, pharmacological, like, breakdown of what drugs to absolutely never mix and never, ever, ever mix benzos, opiates, and alcohol, you guys. It will kill you. Um, So, you know, there's a huge spectrum to that. The biggest thing that I would say is definitely do it under the supervision of your doctor because you can have seizures. If you've been on a high dose for a very long time and then you cut cold turkey, you can end up having um, a seizure, which could end up being a life-threatening event. Yeah, so definitely do it with medical assistance. And even if you've never talked to your doctor about the fact that you're abusing this, this is the time to come clean and say, can you help me get off? Um, and, or, you know, consider going to a treatment center and going to a a detox, you know, going through a detox and a step down, which can be very pleasant if you're in detox and you're being medically monitored, you're not going to have those, you're not going to have the side effects that you would. And that's what we mean. We're talking about a taper. Like if you're doing it properly, you won't have any of the negative effects of the um, medication. Um, what vitamins do you recommend for people in early recovery? Hmm. That's a really interesting question. I can only speak to my experience um, when I really believe in a holistic approach to healing. So I talk about this a lot, mind, body, and spirit. I ended up doing like a whole bunch of um, genetic testing when Mm -hmm. I first got sober and found out that I had a number of mutations that affected my ability to absorb B vitamins and things like that. Um, Again, I would see a specialist for that. Um, We're as humans, um, given the amount of time we spend indoors and the amount of sunscreen we wear, all of us have pretty low vitamin D in general. And these things are essential, like having Mm -hmm. healthy omega-3s, having vitamin D, having these B vitamins, all of this stuff is essential. And I'm sure going into early recovery, we're all very depleted Mm -hmm. because we've probably been eating terribly and not taking care of ourselves for so long. So get in with a a great doctor, have your blood work ran, and then um, see what areas you need supplementation in. Yeah, totally. I love that idea. I like that you went to genetic testing. I think going to your physician is a great first step because I, I, in the sun all the time, I never knew that 
I was vitamin deficient mm-hmm. until I went to the doctor and they said, you know what, you actually should take a supplement for vitamin D. I would have never thought about yeah. that. So I do take one now. And vitamin yeah. D can actually affect your, vitamin D and vitamin B can affect your mood. Mm-hmm. Um, so specifically folic acid, if you're low on folic acid, you're more likely to become depressed. Mm-hmm. And vitamin D too. So it's really important that, you know, if you are deficient in any of these areas, mm-hmm. that you do go and get you know, the help you need in supplementation. Yeah, right. I mean, so, I mean, obviously sometimes a multivitamin is a good place to start, but why not get the information for you individually and yes. get an individualized plan? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree with that. Um, so let's dive into your book for a minute while we're seeing if we have another caller. Um, it's called Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Steps to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Way. I love that. Oh, thank you. Well, it's really been a passion project for me because I just see that you know, every single person, every single human being has the propensity to self-sabotage. It's in our biology, it's in our DNA, and it's in our evolutionary roots. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I feel like no matter how together your life is, you'll still find yourself sabotaging from time to time. And sometimes it becomes more of a problem than other times. And oftentimes what I find is that people have their life 95% together and there's just one area of their life, that 5%, that like, how come I can't reach this goal? Like, why do I still procrastinate when I know it's bad for me? Or... I'm like kicking butt at everything, but somehow I just can't get my exercise together. It's usually just one area of life. A lot of times with successful people, I find that it's romantic relationships that Mm -hmm. gets them tripped up because everything else in their life is controlled and their career is like on a certain path and in their relationship, they're just faltering somehow. So it's really a book for everybody. And I think for me, what I find um, most helpful as I was writing the book is wanting to put together what we call a self-help or self-improvement book, but that's based in science. You know, that's something that's, you know, that kind of comes from the scientific literature, but is written in such a way that everybody can pick it up and use these techniques and practical tips today. Absolutely. I love that. And I cannot wait to read it, you guys. Um, This book comes out August 20th, and it's available for pre-order now on Dr. Judy's website, which is drjudyho.com, drjudyho.com, or on Amazon, if you love Amazon. Amazon. Yep. If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to Recovering From Reality. Not just subscribed, but give me five stars if you really liked it. Comment, make a review. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on your phone, you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to share it within the community. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I hope you loved this episode. And so it is.